This is The Winner's Take with host Nelson Rowley Raisbeck and professional sports handicapper Dave Essler. Welcome into Winner's Take. As always, I'll be your host, Nelson Rowdy Raisbeck, joined by professional sports better Dave Essler. We have officially hit August. Two more regular season months for Major League Baseball. We'll continue to knock down the Friday and Saturday slates of Major League Baseball, maybe get into a little bit of an NFL or college football future play. We're sitting here. It's August 4th. It's a Friday. We're going to go through the MLB slate first. If you want to get any of our content, you can find us on Twitter. My handle's at Rowdy underscore Razor. You can find Dave at Dave underscore Essler. Or you can find his stuff at pregame.com. Dave, let's jump right in here to the Friday, August 4th slate. Going to go to the West Coast. It's going to be late night for our first game. Going to be an 838 Central Time first pitch. Going to be the Seattle Mariners heading to Los Angeles to take on the Angels. Luis Castillo on the mound for the Mariners. Reed Detmer on the mounds for the Angels. What are you thinking for our first game here on the Friday slate? Well, I'm already thinking about next Friday, and we can preview NFL preseason games. True. I mean, the Hall of Fame game was last night. Yeah, and, you know, I should have bet it. I recommended people take the first half over and didn't bet it, and that was an easy win. But I'm glad I didn't follow the masses on the Jets. A lot of people lost money. But back to Friday night, uh, today baseball. Yeah, I mean, Castillo is kind of an enigma. His whip on the entire season is 1.02, which most people know is elite. Uh, But he's sub-500, 10-12, and one-loss record, which means, uh, do the math, he's had no run support. But with that said, the Angels took him to the woodshed in June. Uh, So I kind of expect him to right that ship a little bit. Uh, And and the back end of the Mariners' bullpen has actually been elite of late. Uh, And obviously the Mariners are playing for postseason, so... Both teams are, but that's you know that's kind of what you want to see when you're making a bet. Like teams you know that are gonna gonna give their best, and the Angels bullpens regressed back to being marginal at best. I mean, we saw that last night. And Detmers has been sneaky good, but against the teams he should beat and against good offenses, he's been not very good. So, you know, are the Mariners a good offense? Well, they were against Boston, uh, and they got the key hit last night, and they've got the bullpen advantage. So I'm inclined to think the Angels, if they score, will come early, but not a lot. I think the Mariners scoring might come later and probably a lot. So it's a trust issue, uh, and I'm going to take the Mariners. Yeah, I looked at this game, and there was something actually a little strange with Castillo. I figured because he was a longtime Red, there wouldn't probably be as much familiarity with the Angels. Weirdly enough, there actually was quite a bit. There was actually more familiarity with Castillo from Angels hitters than there was from the Mariner hitters with Reed Detmers. And we, we've we had a lot of Reed Detmer games, it feels like, here as of late. And his numbers, as in his ERA and his whip, keep going down as he pitches decently well the last couple months. But that loss total keeps going up. So clearly, he's not getting much run support, especially as of late either. I look at this, and I think this could be a first five under because both pitchers have been pretty good this year. And I know both have been hit a little bit by the opposing team earlier this season. Maybe they both make adjustments like you mentioned. So I could see a first five under. And I also looked at um, the Angels in the first five just because they have seen Castillo more and Detmers has thrown the ball decently well. So I did lean with the Angels ever so slightly lean with the Angels in the first five. But I do 
look more towards the first five to go under. And I had a couple props for you, Dave. So the first one I'm going to look at, it was actually Mike Moustakis to get a hit. And now this was minus a buck 65. So he's hitting like roughly 260 ish this year, but against righties, he's hitting 275 as a left-handed hitter at night. He's also hitting over 270. And in his last week, he's hitting 292. And the last two weeks, he's hitting over 310. So he's been hot. And that's kind of went with the Angels offense. So I actually, at a minus 165, I kind of like Mike Moustakis to get a hit. The second one, I'm going to look at Eugenio Suarez for the Mariners to get a hit. His actually was also minus a buck 65. And when you look at his breakdowns here, he's facing Reed Detmers, a lefty. Well, he hits almost 250 against lefties. On the road, he's hitting nearly 240, which is much better for him. And then at night, he's hitting over 250, which correlates with this game. And as of late, hitting 345 the last week, 281 the last two weeks, way above his season average of 234. So I'll take uh, Suarez to get a hit and Mike Moustakis to get a hit, both minus a buck 65. Both have seen and had success against the opposing pitcher. Moustakis 3-for-10 against Castillo, and uh, Suarez against Reed Detmers is 2-for-6 with a walk. Yeah, I'm all about, um, like, I don't I don't care much what they've done on the season. I'm, I'm all about lately. I mean, one of the things I'll look at if I'm looking at potential player props is Google MLB hottest hitters, and you'll get a lot of fantasy stuff, and it'll show you the last seven days. And, you know, if you scroll down that list, you usually you'll see a few familiar names on it. But in the top 10 or 20, it'll pop up a bunch of guys that are just like super hot right now. I mean, that's how I got on Chaz McCormick, which I would have never been on had I not looked at it. And he's been making us money. So, uh, yeah, I would uh, I would uh, I would not disagree with either of those props. Looking at our second game here for the August 4th Friday slate, we're actually going to go to a Midwest matchup. Going to go to Cleveland. It's going to be a 6-10 first pitch. It's going to be the Chicago White Sox heading to Cleveland to take on the Guardians. Uh, You have Mike Clevenger going for the White Sox, and you have Logan Allen going for the Cleveland Guardians. Cleveland, a pretty heavy favorite, minus a buck 70, total being eight and a half right now. What do you think of? uh, Yeah, I'm not sure Logan Allen is worth a buck 70, but. The White Sox have been done for months, so I think for me the question is effort. I mean, do we see it? Because it's been a well below expectation season. Uh, so that always concerns me. And we know Clevenger used to pitch for the Guardians. So, okay, give him that advantage. But he just had that advantage when he faced him last week, and, and it was against Logan Allen as well. It was a 2-0 uh, Chicago win. So do both teams make adjustments and we see runs this time around? I don't know about that. You know, they, they aren't great offenses. I mean. Clevenger hasn't given up more than three since early May, but Cleveland has the rest advantage, obviously, with the the White Sox played Thursday uh, in Texas. Then again, Chicago's in a better hitting posture against lefties, which, of course, Allen is. Uh, And yet the Cleveland pen has been horseshit lately, but they're rested. So which one do you go with? I mean, Allen's been kind of brutalized lately, so I think I'm going to go with the White Sox first five. I mean, the, the game before the White Sox hammered him, he gave up a bunch of runs to Kansas City. And, you know, he had been pitching pretty well, but like three straight shutouts, but against Pittsburgh, Kansas City, and Oakland. So I kind of got to wait those a little bit. So I'm going to take the White Sox probably on the run line, you know, plus a half a run for the first five innings. 
Um, and it's mainly a fate of Logan Allen. I'll be honest. I did not really like this game a whole lot. If I had to bet it, I would probably take Cleveland on the money line just because of the big advantage with the bullpen. I looked at it a little bit more. You mentioned it. Clevenger, former Guardian Indian. One of the big things, Mike Clevenger does struggle on the road more. He's he's definitely has better splits at home. So that's going against them. You would think Logan Allen would make the adjustments, and you would think that the Guardians would make adjustments after Clevenger threw five scoreless against them like about a week ago. I lean, but I don't like it with Cleveland. It kind of feels gross to take Cleveland minus 170 here. But I actually thought that maybe the Cleveland team total over, I think it was around four, four and a half, might be doable. It's a team that still is in it, and the White Sox clearly aren't. I think they make the adjustments. They could score a little bit on Clevenger, and then we know that White Sox bullpen has been awful. Uh, Liam Hendricks goes on the IL with Tommy John. They traded, was it four to six pitchers at the deadline? It was already one of the worst bullpens. I think my favorite bet would be the Guardians team total over the four, four and a half. Um, Yeah, I could see that. Um, I'm just a little leery. Of the back end because uh, the White Sox haven't been, uh, hey, they've been half decent. But uh, I definitely, you know, I always get Larry. I have a team total today over, but with home teams only getting that, you know, probably if they're going to win, they're only going to get eight at-bats, and that sometimes concerns me. But, um, you know, I, I can see your point. I wasn't uh, I wasn't sold on this game either way. I mean, I was pretty sold on the White Sox first five, but not, um, I could be talked off the ledge. and. So I, I uh, it's it, you make sense with that handicap. Now looking at our third and final game for the Friday slate, it's actually going to be the first game that kicks off here. Going to be a 5:40 Central Time first pitch. Going to be the Washington Nationals traveling to Cincinnati to take on the Reds. Patrick Corbin on the mound for Washington. Graham Ashcraft going for the Reds. Currently, the Reds are favored roughly minus a buck 180 total, sitting there at ten and a half. Uh, what are you thinking, Dave, for our final game of the Friday slate? Yeah, I mean, I'm not so sure that Ashcraft should be a buck eighty. I mean, he's never even been close to that this season. Um, you know, I think I'm going to probably go against the grain here a little bit. I mean, we do Ashcraft quite a bit too, and he actually righted the ship pretty good in July. Uh, from you know, he started the season really good, then he went through the meh, and now he's been really good, but. You know, one of those wins was against the Nationals, as fate would have it. And, you know, but the Reds' bullpen has been beyond bad the last week. So, and they just played Thursday, Washington didn't. So, you know, I, I'm not sure how much stock um, you, you want to put minus a buck 80 in Ashcraft. I don't. Um, and I haven't been able to get Corbin right his entire career. So, take what's coming with a caveat there. Um, the Nationals do have a decided pen advantage and rest. Uh, and the Reds are in a better hitting stance against lefties. So there is that, but because it's in Cincinnati, that total will be a bit higher than otherwise. It might simply be because of the tiny park. I actually lean Washington a little bit and there's probably an edge taking the nationals team total over uh, simply because they're going to get 27 outs uh, being the visitors and the reds pen just can't be trusted. And if you look further at Ashcraft, you know, I mentioned the, I don't know, revenge, make adjustments because, because he shut down Washington on uh one run through six innings back about a month ago. But I went back through the entire slate and, you know, he beat Pittsburgh first time he fa- faced him, then Pittsburgh beat him. So yeah, I can run down the list here. Brewers, you know, he lost to him badly. I gave up 10 runs in four innings in June and then came back and 
and shut them down one run. Of course, that was the only run of the game, but uh, he almost beat Corbin Burns. And every team I went back through, it had been a different result. So there's no chance I'm laying that kind of money with Ashcraft. So I lean Reds, but I'm actually going to go ahead and take the Washington team total over. Yeah, that this game, it, it felt like looking at it that easily you could say going to be a lot of runs scored. Graham Ashcraft, outside of, I believe it was April and July, was basically batting practice. I know Patrick Corbin took his lumps because that, that was made pretty famous about how bad he had been, especially with the contract he signed. Graham Ashcraft has historically been worse at home, which makes sense. It's Great American Ballpark. It's smaller. Patrick Corbin historically has pitched much worse in his career on the road, and it won't help. That'll be Great American Ballpark. Washington Nationals' bullpen isn't good. Cincinnati's Reds' bullpen hasn't been good middle of the road at best the entire season this had a ton of runs written all over it that total was at 10 and a half so I said I'd probably go with the under because every single thing said over 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 and that never ever seems to happen and then I'll agree with you I would probably lean with Washington just because I think Patrick Corbin is slightly better than Ashcraft and I like you said Ashcraft isn't worth minus a buck 180 so that that was what i had take the under when everything says over and lean with the the guy that's not quite as bad as the pitcher favored heavily yeah i'm totally in agreement i'm glad you i'm glad you agree with me there so moving to august 5th it's going to be our saturday slate we got three more games for you the first one that we're going to be looking at it's going to be a 6 15 central time first pitch going to be the colorado rockies Heading to St. Louis to take on the Cardinals, you have Ty Block on the mound for the Rockies, and you have Steven Matz on the mound for the Cardinals. Dave, what are you thinking for our very first game of the Saturday slate? Yeah, I mean, here we go. we got two teams going nowhere, which at this time of year is always less predictable. I mean, oftentimes, once teams bag it, you know, you're going to get the call-up. So there's no reason not to wait for lineups with those games, most games actually, but especially those. Um, but maybe it's a little early for that. But let's assume we get the A-teams. Matt's has back-to-back shutouts. But here's another guy that can pick below expectations at any given time. Uh, and we know the Rockies typically struggle against everyone, especially lefties. But is that a reason to fire on the Cardinals, a team whose pen struggles all the time? For what it's worth, the Rockies are rested, haven't had yesterday off. I take that back. No, they're not. I, w- I was thinking this was a Friday game. But for all intents and purposes, uh, their pen's been the worst in baseball all season and shows no signs of gaining any momentum lately. I mean, Black does have an upside with a couple of shutouts under his belt, albeit Oakland and Miami, but at least his confidence should be good going into this game. And I'm not sure where you can rank the Cardinals' offense, really. I mean, they've only scored more than three runs once in five games heading into Thursday. I forget what they did yesterday, but I guess you'd have to like Matt's and the Cardinals for the first five innings, but it almost looks too easy. So, uh, you know, that's one. That's an NL Central team, so I would I would probably defer to you. What do you think? When I looked at Ty Block, I knew this was a guy that had been up and you know back and forth between AAA, Major League Baseball, bullpen, starting pitcher, and it was kind of like what you said. He's been pitching well as of late, but it's against nobody that's offensively good. And the Cardinals, though they've had their struggles this year, though they technically were sellers, they still held on to some sluggers like your Paul Goldschmidt's, your Nolan Arenado's. I was sitting there, and the Rockies, they can't hit lefties, which Steven Matz is. Matz hadn't seen him this year. 
wasn't overly a ton of familiarity outside of like a Charlie Blackman who doesn't play all the time anymore like he used to. I scrolled through it and I mean, the Cardinals were still top half of the league OPS and average wise against lefties where Colorado was towards the bottom. And there was a decent amount of familiarity, which I found kind of surprising. Nolan Arenado was 10 for 16 against Ty Black. Wilson Contreras was three for nine. Paul Goldschmidt, three for 10. So they've actually seen him quite a bit. And I'm with you, though, that bullpen hasn't been good. I can't trust them. I do think just because it is somewhat expensive here with Mats, I'd probably go with the Cardinals in the first five on the run line minus that half a run. I think they jump on block. Uh, But that's really all I had for that game. Yeah, I mean, I guess we kind of agree. I just get a little leery that it uh, looks too easy. Yeah, that's that's a pretty hefty price, too. It's right around minus 200. And uh, if you take the run line, it'll be obviously a little bit cheaper. So whatever you feel more comfortable. I know you you in the past said you are uh, not scared to lay some juice. I'm not, um, you know, but a lot of people are. So I try to give it both ways. I mean, I'll, I'll lay juice on player props all day long. So, you know, it's kind of like I think uh, there's a game today, Friday. I forget which one it is. I guess I could could look real quick, but um yeah, where is it? Let me find it. Let, oh, yeah, yeah. Nola and Aaron Nola and uh, the Phillies against Jordan Lyles and the Royals now. It's minus 235 at Circa. And, you know, I you know I suspect Philadelphia wins that. And I would lay minus 235 rather than try to find a, another team to parlay them with or, or take the run line minus one and a half. Because Kansas City has been hitting a little bit. But, yeah, I mean, I don't have any problem doing it. I mean, I... I wouldn't suggest putting a, a huge bankroll on it, but you know sometimes just don't overthink the obvious. So let's move to our second game on the Saturday slate. Going to be a national TV game on FS1, 7.40 first pitch central time. Mm-hmm. It's going to be the Los Angeles Dodgers taking on the San Diego Padres. Right now, no one announced for the Dodgers, though it seems like it might be Emmett Sheehan. And going for the Padres, Blake Schnell currently uh, he's scheduled to pitch. So, Dave, what do you think on this? There's a lot of missing information here, a lot of uh, missing pieces to this puzzle. Yeah, there are. And I, I started looking a little bit, and I probably should have put this, t- t- you know, today's game on, but maybe, maybe L.A. hadn't announced a pitcher yet. But on Friday, you got Darvish against Miller. And Darvish is up around minus a buck and a quarter. Um, I actually like um, the Dodgers there in the first five because you know they've seen just a ton of dar- a ton of of uh, of Darvish and, and and had pretty good success against him. But you know we really got to know what's going on with that. But you know if you look at Snell, you know and the Padres really. I mean they've gone on a winning streak and almost at five hundred and somehow in contention for the playoffs. Uh, not eliminated, but, you know, they still got a reason to play. And Snell's continued his dominance. I, I keep waiting for the other shoe to fall, but he's allowed five earned runs since the end of May. Uh, and we know that the Dodgers are more vulnerable against lefties. Um, they've beaten Snell twice way back in May, but Snell had them held them to two runs in both starts. So, I mean, no matter who pitches for the Dodgers, I give the starting pitching edge to the Padres and Snell. So I would just, you know, take the bullpens out and take the Padres for the first five innings. I mean, you know, that'll be the time that the other shoe falls on Snell, but you know, I I don't like to bet on the do theory. So 
That would be, uh, you know, I'll actually like that one quite a bit. Yeah, I looked at it and I tried to, through a couple different sites, I tried to predict who was pitching for the Dodgers. It seems like the best guess would be Emmett Sheehan. If it is Emmett Sheehan, well, the Padres haven't seen him yet before in his young Dodgers career. I could see, especially with how dominant Blake Snell has been, especially you named it in two starts against the Dodgers and just overall the last couple months. I could see a first five under bet, especially because the Padres offense isn't great. And then also I could totally see if it is Emmett Sheehan, I could see a a Dodgers first five winner because I'm probably going to be getting plus money here. And you talked about how Snell has been great twice. You'd think he'd probably be able to do it again. But and, and I should say the Dodgers offense, not as good against lefties as it is righties. But there's something about the Dodgers against lefties OPS-wise. They still rank fourth. So though they don't hit many, they must hit them uh, out of the ballpark when they do. And I know you've said in the past that Blake Schnell can leave the ball up. So my complete opposite of everything, maybe the Dodgers in the first five at plus money. Um, I'm going to – I'm gonna. we're going to disagree. That's all there is to that. I don't like that, but that's just me being total contrarian. All right, then you're learning because I love to do that. I would say outside of that, though, I think the safer one for me would probably be the first five under. Uh, yeah, I can definitely see that. Again, we got to know who's pitching for L.A., but I'm taking – yeah, that, that's probably true, too. Yeah, I, I definitely got to – I definitely can see that. You can't imagine Snell's going to give up too many. You know, maybe Dodgers team total under. That's another way to look at that, too. So moving to our final game for the August 5th, the Saturday slate. It's actually going to be uh, one of the first games that actually kicks off on Saturday. It's going to be the Atlanta Braves traveling to the Chicago Cubs, 120 Central Time first pitch. We have Bryce Elder on the mound for the Braves. Currently, nobody has been announced for the Cubs, but with some deductive reasoning, some of the sites think it might be Justin Steele, a left-hander, but we don't know for sure. Dave, what are you thinking? for our third and final game on this uh, Saturday slate. Yeah, I mean, if it's Justin Steele, um, I'm probably going to like the Cubs here. I mean, Elder is typically really good, but in a few cases, really bad. And I think the key to this game is really figuring out which Elder shows up. I mean, his pitch counts haven't been excessively high. He's been pretty efficient. Uh, and and the Cubs obviously are better in offensive, offensive form against lefty. So I, I would think we get the good Elder. Uh, not the one who gave up seven runs in back-to-back games to Arizona and Tampa Bay in in less than three innings both times. But, you know, because that risk is there, uh, at some point, Braves are overvalued, and at some point, the Cubs are undervalued, and they've just gone on a little bit of a streak of their own, and, you know, they aren't aren't looking at their golf clubs yet. So uh, I'm going to go ahead and and, uh, if it's steel, I'll definitely take – the uh, Cubs, I, 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 you know, the Atlanta's not going to win every game. They don't have to win every game. That's another thing. So, you know, a lot of it will be also based on what happens this afternoon, Friday, with uh, Max Friday on the mound. And But he typically doesn't go really deep, and that would bring in some of the Braves' bullpen. So I'm really just talking myself more into thinking uh, the Cubs might be the bet against the overvalued Atlanta Braves. I can also tell you that uh, Max Freed – his pitch count's probably going to be around 85 tonight, too. Just coming off the IL first one since uh, mid-May, and 
I've been tracking his um, minor league rehab appearances and he really hasn't went over. I think it was 80, I think it was around 79, 80 pitches was where he kind of uh, topped out at before they got him ready. So I don't expect him to throw more than 85. So I think you might be right. Now, when I looked at it, Bryce Elder's been struggling a little bit. Cubs offense has been absolutely on fire. If we do get Justin Seal, uh, the Braves have seen Steele a little bit here. There's been a little bit of success for the little bit they've seen him. The Braves absolutely crush left-handed pitching. The Cubs bullpen has stunk. We know that the uh, the wind, if it's blowing out at Wrigley, can be pretty brutal. Well, according to this, it's supposed to be about 9 to 10 mile an hour winds blowing in. And that being said, I'm just going to be contrarian again, and I'll take the I'll take the under for this game because it feels like it probably should go way over. Um, yeah, doable, definitely. And you'll probably get a better number because it's in Wrigley and, you know, you got two two reasonably hot offenses. So definitely, yes, sir. So that'll be the final game here, Dave. You know, I've been a little pressed for time this week, but um, I do like the Jacksonville Jaguars team total over. And I, I hemmed and hawed about that. You know, I, I know that the rest of that division had not been very good. Uh, and then the Titans signed, what's his name there, uh, DeAndre Hopkins. And one of the things that struck me was that the Titans were actually 6-6 six and six last year with Tannehill. So, you know, it could be a bunch of old guys making a last stand. And Rabel always seems to get the best out of him. And you look at the Colts with Anthony Richardson. I mean, all things coming out of training camp, he looks great. but. You know, let's see when he gets in a real game with NFL speed, uh, what he can do. Uh, and then, of course, there's the Texans, and, you know, they, they're going to be better. But they could have some growing pains with also having a rookie quarterback in there. And people still underestimate Jacksonville, thinking, you know, last year was a little bit of a, I don't want to call it a fluke, but, you know, you got to remember where they came from two years ago under Urban Meyer. And, I mean, that just you could forget about Trevor Lawrence's rookie year and truthfully, you can forget about the first half of last year. And it all came together. I mean, they won their last five regular season games and only gave up, I think, 22 points in, in three of those five games. So for me, you know, the offense is going to be better. They they signed Calvin Ridley. I mean, yes, okay, he's had his issues, but they're offering they have a they have deep wide receivers, Ridley, Zay Jones, and Christian Kirk. Uh, and they went ahead and drafted Antoine Harrison, uh, right tackle to go ahead and protect Trevor Lawrence out of Oklahoma. And you know those Oklahoma boys know how to block. On defense, you know, I, I think they may have perhaps the best uh, linebacker core uh, top to bottom in football. And, I mean, that could be saying a lot. But they got three number one draft picks on that uh, uh, linebacking core. And all three of them are all pro guys. Uh, so I – you know, everybody's Trevor Lawrence this and Trevor Lawrence that. You know, they drafted Tank Bigsby. So, I mean, I think they'll be fine at running back. Uh, I just – I think it's that defense that people are underestimating. Um, you know, they've got some – they've got some some uh, veterans back there that they're, they're just not going to get burned. So, if they can get any kind of a pass rush, I think, you know, Jacksonville is going to create some turnovers. And I'm not going to overreact to all the other teams in that division potentially – getting better because Jacksonville is going to get even better too. So, I mean, I don't see how they don't win 10 games. It's, it's sitting at nine and a half. And I guess what I'm not going to do is overreact to the other teams 
So I like the Jaguars team total over. So there you go. Dave's going to take the over. Now, Dave, I got a question for you real quick. Do you know if there's any truth to the rumor that's going around about Kelvin Ridley that his favorite podcast these days is actually Winner's Take? Um, I don't know. I'm I'm not too far from the practice facility, so I could probably just, I could just go over there and ask him. That's just a rumor I heard. Um, You know, hey, maybe we could get him to sponsor us and then they won't be laughing. There you go. We got our Major League Baseball slates out there for August 4th on the Friday. We have our August 5th Saturday slate. Dave giving you an NFL win total with the Jaguars going over their nine and a half. Uh, Dave, before we're out of here, uh, let's give out our Major League Baseball best bets for the pod. Oh, wow. I forgot we had to do that. I don't like doing best bets. Um, Tell you what I'm going to do. I'm going to take the... uh... St. Louis Cardinals on Saturday in the first five innings. I was going to double down with that and take the St. Louis Cardinals in the first five innings on the run line. Yeah. Okay. So we'll have those two. And then if I got to pick one for tonight, I'm going to go complete contrarian. I'll go with the under 10 and a half runs with the Cincinnati Reds and the Washington national game. Yeah. I mean, that's a lot of runs and you know, it's heavily juiced because of the ballpark and the way Cincinnati has been hitting. So I think you're probably right. This there. I, I just hope that Washington gets more than half of them. <laughs> yeah, yeah, because you you like the team total earlier. I do, and I actually like your Brewers team total over tonight against uh, that kid from Pittsburgh, Priester. Yeah, he's yeah. given up. He's given up four or more in in all three of his starts. He's going to strike out some guys. I like his strikeout prop over three and a half, um, but he walks a shit ton of guys, so it's not going to take a whole lot with a roof open for the Brewers to get five runs. I hate doing that because the Brewers are probably going to win. Probably not going to bat in the ninth, but I think they're going to get there anyway. Well, there you go. We got our Major League Baseball best bets for the podcast. Going to go with the under 10.5 for the Friday night game between the Cincinnati Reds and the Washington Nationals. Both Dave and I looking at the Saturday game between the Colorado Rockies and the St. Louis Cardinals. Dave likes the Cardinals in the first five on the money line. I'm going to risk it a little bit more with the Cardinals in the first five on the run line. If you want any more of our content, again, you can find us on Twitter. You can find me at Rowdy underscore Razor, or you can find Dave at Dave underscore Essler. You can find some of Dave's work at pregame.com. Again, just want to keep continuing to ask all your listeners to like, share, subscribe, download, do all that good stuff, whatever you do with your podcast. Just keep sharing it with everybody. Keep listening. And uh, we'll be back here on Monday for another episode of Winner's Take. And until then, let's continue to make some money. The Winner's Take is your podcast for everything gambling at MadCitySportsZone.com. In the Zone app or wherever you get your podcasts, listen, rate, subscribe.